Hey Maniacs, Mark here to introduce this episode where we interview Jude Tyndall of Father Brown, Sister Boniface, and Shakespeare and Hathaway fame. We had a great time talking to Jude, and she even gives us a little scoop. Thank you so much for being willing to do this. I can't tell you how excited our listeners are that we're going to talk to you. They're really <laughs> stoked. <laughs> because you've written so many things that we all love so much, and we're just really excited to pick your brain about it. Oh, cool. Ask away. I'll answer any question that I can. Um, they all come out of the same stable, which is why I write for all of them, because um, I don't know, uh, the BBC is not, you know, it's not just one company, it's lots of separate little, what they call hubs. And BBC Birmingham, who I tend to work for a lot, um, is the hub that does Father Brown, Shakespeare and Hathaway and Sister Boniface. So that's their kind of um, speciality is doing these cosy crime shows. Those are our favorites. Well, those are certainly like some of the most popular shows right now. So yeah, absolutely. I think people really, you know, really enjoy them because they, you know, they want something, you know, you want something, uh, when I say predictable and reassuring, you don't want the world shaken up. You need something with a conclusion sometimes and just to, you know, um, feel that the world is going to write itself at the end i think is what we always feel is uh, and sometimes it's like having a cup of tea and a biscuit yeah yeah it, that's what we think too it's the exact opposite of wire in the blood you know you got to the end of a wire in the blood episode and you're like oh oh i know i know <laughs> yeah like i feel like i need to go wash now this is yeah, like i know oh. i know absolutely women being chased through woods you know um and and you know and then the car comes along to rescue them and it's their attacker you know yeah and like, <laughs> there's too much scary stuff in real life i don't need to yeah. to watch that kind of peril on tv so i i was reading through your history kind of before you started writing like shakespeare and hathaway and and father brown and you wrote soaps yes well that is also bbc birmingham hub uh um also produces the only well, i think it's the only british daytime soap which is called doctors right. which is about a, a, a doctor's surgery uh in uh set in uh birmingham <laughs> surprisingly enough uh and uh uh so i i started writing for doctors as as, as, as an entry-level writer on bbc birmingham doctors and so i wrote lots and lots of that um and and then and then and then uh th they did land girls and so they asked me to do land girls and then they did father brown so i was asked to do father brown and then father brown took off so rather fortunately for me i was able to get off the soap <laughs> and that must have been a big change in schedule right because soaps work really fast yes they are really yeah we had a well we had about around about a ooh, eight week turnaround i think on an episode but they were only half an hour uh, yeah but that's still 30 plus pages a day and i know you probably aren't the only writer but that's still like that is a place to hone your craft yeah, oh god absolutely it was it, i learned um because i'd never written before i started on doctors it sounds really bizarre but i entered a competition in a magazine 
which the BBC was running. Um, and I'd actually never written a script, but they said, could you write an episode of this, you know, Doctors or Casualty, which is that there was a medical drama. And I just thought, yeah, I think I probably could. So I did one um, and uh, it didn't win, but I got shortlisted. And then you get once you're once they, you, you get their attention, they ask you to meetings. And then I was asked if I wanted to do a trial script on Doctors uh which which and and then that went well and so i started working on doctors and and my first episode of doctors was actually the the second script i'd ever written <laughs> which is a bit daunting that's crazy yeah, i've never heard of anybody getting into writing that way i, I know it's, it's a bit I, I i know i just it was a kind of strange combination of events and this strange competition that was in a you know a kind of national magazine um, uh, you know, BBC magazine, in fact, uh, and um, and and so I learned. And on Doctors, it's sixty uh, percent of the episode is what they call story of the day. So it's like a you, you make you know it's a, com a complete story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you have guest characters that come in, you know, the, the type of thing. And the other the other forty percent is serial. And the writers have to generate all the stories of the day themselves. And that's how you get picked to write an episode. So you have to just pitch loads and loads and loads of ideas. Um, and then if your idea gets accepted, then you get an episode. It's a bit of a bun fight. It's, you know. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. It's a complete bun fight. So, so, but what you do learn is how to, uh, well, A, write serial, you know, what other people are telling you to write and, and, and other people's characters, but also because you have to generate a story every single time your own story which has got to be concluded within the episode it, it, it's a really good um it's a really good way of making you know what does and doesn't work i guess and also for knowing what your voice is because i worked out at the end i wrote 45 episodes and 41 of them weren't medical drama the story of the day had absolutely nothing to do with medicine whatsoever you know i managed to get it out of the medical world um, and the majority of them were quite light and comic rather than, you know, I didn't do the heavy stories, you know, I, you know, I didn't do the, the abuse and the domestic violence and mm -hmm. the, the suicide and stuff like that. I did, you know, Mrs. Temby lost her hat. <laughs> Sometimes so, which that's prepares a big you story, well for Father man. Brown, right? Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, so you, you sort of—I think you, you, it sort of gave me. I think it did give me a kind of, uh, you know, a kind of an idea of the type of stuff that I, you know, was drawn towards, which wasn't heavy, emotional, uh, politically, you know, drama. Nothing that will win me an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> so you were nominated for best exit one year for a scene oh, in yes, Doctors, right? Yeah, I know. But that's because at the Soap Awards every year, okay, Doctors is like the kind of, it's like the remedial class, if you can imagine. <laughs> and so every year we get nominated for something, you know, and it's like the dog with the waggiest tail. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Doctors, you know, they're half the budget. You got to give them something, right? You got to give them something, exactly. So it's always best newcomer. <laughs> or, or, or most dramatic scene. Yeah, I think that, I got that, that as well. Best newcomer award is always like a ring of death. Like it's yeah, just a collar of horribleness yeah, you have to wear. You know, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get best anything. No. <laughs> so yeah, they're like consolation prizes, to be honest. And it didn't win. <laughs> I looked and looked for that scene. I wanted to see what would nominate something for the best exit. <laughs> Like, uh, is it a doctor like slamming a door or 
you know, uh, disappearing well, or what? <laughs> no, actually, they, they actually gave me the exit, which was um, one of those really, really shocking ones where they step out, you know, they're having, they're having, you know, perfectly normal walking along a road, talking, no, 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 step off the curb and whoom, a great oh, big HR comes along. So one of those moments. So they told me that that had to be the death. Um, oh, wow. And so all I did was I made it like the best day of his life. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> you know everything good that could happen to nick that day you know kind of happened to him and you know all this you know stuff and then he got killed wow <laughs> so he you go stand up comedy. <laughs> up comedy in a club and then got squashed knowing that that's where the story ends that's i mean yeah. that's a challenge in writing right you have to if you know yeah. that's where it ends <laughs> Yeah, but I've got to say, if you write soap, they tell you, you know, you, they, they, they that, that's every episode. They go, look, this has got to happen. Right. So, you know, that's, you know, that's sort of normal. There's, so it's like playing a, a like a game of snakes and ladders and you know you've got to get to the bottom. It's just which path are you going to take to get there, right? You have to get there. That's a really good way of pushing it. In yeah. 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, 25, you yeah. know, when they've done the titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So going um, from that to Father Brown must have been a way, like, did it slow down? Uh, well, I did Land Girls first. So mm -hmm. I did an episode of Land Girls, which was not Doctors, but which was very, uh, it was all serial. So it was, a, you know, it's episode, you know, it wasn't a story of the day. So that was quite interesting um, uh, because literally then you say, they say you're doing episode four out of five. And in this episode, exactly this has, has to happen because any change I make to mine, Affects the, whole arc, the, one right? the one after exactly, then everyone's got to change everything. So that's really quite, quite complicated. And, and Father Brown, that was a new departure because Father Brown, Shakespeare and Hathaway and Sister Boniface, they're what we call, they're self-authored. So the writers come to us with ideas um and go you know here's an idea for father brown and then if it's a good idea it gets commissioned and 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 that's just the way it works so so uh it, it's very much you know you can probably you know when you're watching them you can probably tell the difference sometimes between the episodes in slightly in tone and voice and that's because some writers you know will write in one way and other writers will write you know in a slightly different way but we rather like that we think it keeps it varied if it's not to um form you know stat you know if, if, if every episode sounded exactly the same so within our world and within our tone they've sort of got freedom to kind of do their own thing uh yeah i with, think we um, saw that um in midsummer too because we did what 200 and <laughs> a gazillion episodes of midsummer first and there are the ones that are kind of serious and they're the yeah. ones that are they kind of feature the characters and who they are and then there's the the world is crazy and they're the just in it kind of episodes absolutely i know you've got the people that obviously kind of want to make a kind of bit more of a serious issue sometimes and the people that go look i'm just going to treat this like a complete hoot and just go for it you know and make it ridiculous but in a way that's what makes them that that's the british system that's how all these shows get written because we can't afford um writers room yeah like they do in the states you know that so the then those individual writers are deciding if they want to take one of chesterton's stories and try to adapt it or write something oh, well, completely um, new or with with father brown what actually happened was that the, the first series we only had the copyright on five volumes of the father brown stories and i can't remember how many they were um uh, probably about 25 but i mean only 
three of them were adaptable probably because the thing about gk chesterton's father brown stories is that you know my goodness they're a hard read yeah oh and they're bonkers <laughs> and uh you know they're just you know uh uh and 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 they're not that they're, they're, they're supremely unadaptable for television just because everything is in his head which you can't dramatize and so what they said um, on the original show was when they asked writers to pitch for it, look, you can take, you can use any of the stories from GK Chesterton in these, in these things, but if you want to come up with your own idea, uh, uh, feel free to do so. So that was, that was, and, and, and the clever writers got the, the four episodes, which were adaptable in pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> including the two series um, adapters, yes. So, which was the Hammer of God uh, and the Flying Stars uh, and the Wrong Shape and the Blue the, Cross, um, the Cult of Apollo one. The, oh, the, the Eye of Apollo, not Eye really. Of Apollo. Well, the, the Blue Cross. Well, yeah, the Eye of Apollo. Literally, he pretty much just took the title and the yes, and the Eye, <laughs> Eye of Apollo. Absolutely, but but after that, there was no, there really really weren't any more of the stories. I mean, you know to adapt and rather than take something that's that's difficult to adapt it's actually much easier to just come up with something uh new especially once you've got that kind of the world established of this father brown in the 50s and you know who who the characters are around yeah. him you've got a world to kind of build in right? yeah I, yeah well the first series was 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 really you know difficult because every all the father all the chesterton purists were expecting gk chesterton's father brown and they didn't get it they got mark williams you know and it was a bit heightened and it was a bit um quirky kooky you know um whimsical as we call it and we we hadn't even used the stories and uh you know he was in a, a clearly an anglican church not a catholic church because <laughs> they're so much more photogenic because the anglicans took all the catholic churches in the reformation so right. so as there is and and catholics weren't even allowed to have their own churches until the middle of the 19th century so they're all modern and ugly <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the Anglican, so you've got this beautiful 12th century Anglican church, which a Catholic would never have set foot in, sadly. And we got criticized for, you know, for all that kind of purity. Uh, but um, uh, I think by series two and three, I think everyone got what we were trying to do, which was just have fun. Yeah, I think the 1970s, the Kenneth Moore series, they tried to stick closer to the original and they end up being kind of grim yes so yes. you can't you just can't do it yeah they're they're a hard watch aren't they mm -hmm. i watched them all before i before i tried to pitch my father brown my first father brown thinking that i might glean some some insight <laughs> but sadly not no well and just, that yeah. that father brown is almost a tragic story because of of the actor playing father brown the situation he was in at that point in time and uh he with was his sick wife and, and he died shortly yeah, after died yeah, shortly after the... and absolutely difficult to film and and that's of course why you know you on paper, you might say, we're going to do a, a period drama in the 50s of the Catholic Church. And a lot of people would be like, ah, there's a lot of stuff there you don't want to touch. There's some landmines. Absolutely. And you guys are, and this is not a slight, you guys are like, 
we don't see any landmines. We're just going to do this. <laughs> yeah, no, we wouldn't touch anything like that. But we do have a rule that we never write anything that a 12-year-old can't watch. So that's our kind of, you know, so we always say that a grandmother and a 12-year-old should be able to watch our show without the 12-year-old going, you know, what 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 does that mean or you know so 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 that's our that's our you know uh standard as it were I, which means that it, we don't attack you know we never do child abuse you know we don't do suicide no. um you know um uh we don't do you know domestic violence we you know you know we were a bit more like you know the kind of death by you know being crushed by a cheese like in the <laughs> summer yeah. it's um you know you, you i think you're supposed to feel that the death and the murder which is a really serious grim subject i mean for anybody to be murdered is really a horrible thing but we sort of want people to sort of feel when they watch it it's almost like a cartoon you know it's like yeah. road runner going off the cliff absolutely and we we talk about that in the podcast of if your children can watch the show they can listen to our podcast because we're never going to do anything that crosses sure. that line too Absolutely. Because yeah. that's what that's what we like. We like the they call them cozies, but you know, we we like that. It but has that ever created um a problem? Have there been uh topics or, or good stories that you had to kind of throw out yeah, because we often, of that? Yeah, we often throw out writers often come with uh, you know, uh for example, a murder which turns out to be a suicide. You know, we would always say that we can't do that. Um, and one of the reasons we're working on the medical soap is in this country, and I don't know, if, you know, if you portray a suicide on a TV program, there was one called Casualty, which I worked on, um, and it was on, on a Saturday night at eight o'clock. It's very popular. And if you had a suicide on Casualty, the next day, within 48 hours, there would be a spike in suicide rates, you know, which means that probably about two and a half people in the country would commit suicide as a result of watching the program. I had no idea why. And it didn't matter how bad you said it was and how awful you made it seem and, you know, tried to put people off it you would still get that so we, we 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 when we're picking the stories we'll we will have to say to some writers you can't do this and you can't do that and that is too um too bleak and for me on father brown there was capital punishment in uh 1954 which are we 53 53 yes yeah, we covered that <laughs> in one of our forensic episodes. <laughs> We're always wondering stuff like that. Like, well, yeah, even just yeah. in Hammer of God, that first episode, you've got chemical castration. You've got the in the original story, the the priest jumps. Right, he does commit suicide at the or the reverend does at the end. I mean, the, the, the original story is so much worse than um, the, the, yes. what, what you wound up creating. I mean, it's it's a I think it has the same weight and the plot is just as good, but it's so much less grim. Yeah, well, actually, what I think is, is that with all these shows is that when you have 10 different writers on a show or eight at least, you know, um, is that um, series one is always quite experimental. Mm -hmm. You sort of, you know, everyone's doing their own thing. It's all a little bit different. Nobody knows which ones are going to work and, which, you know, which ones are going to be more popular. And I think that after doing series one of Father Brown, the feedback that we got was that the episodes that the viewers liked more were the slightly more whimsical and lighthearted ones. And they 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 preferred those to the, the, the more harrowing episodes. I can so, understand that. So from series 
two, I think you'll probably notice that there was quite a shift in uh, in tone. Yeah. To us, it felt like a shift away from trying to stick to Chesterton so tightly. But oh, I think yeah. this, this, the outcome is the same. Yeah, <laughs> because no, exactly. he was so grim. Realizing yeah. quite, absolutely. The best episodes weren't necessarily the ones where we'd stuck to the Chesterton. Yeah. You know? and, um, and also, it was, it was quite easy to just go, you know, forget him. <laughs> forget poor old GK Chesterton. <laughs> Well, and Father Brown is such a great character. I'm sure have people said that he's too liberal to be a priest? We got really heavily criticized again in series one. We were more heavily criticized uh, because in uh, and uh, then we got a new advisor, actually, who was the same age as well he was ordained in 1953 as a priest so he was absolutely the right um you know kind of period and um he was a little bit stricter about what father brown could and couldn't say you know i mean we can't have father brown for example saying things which are anti the teachings of the catholic church is right. no no right so yep. he can't just come out and say abortion's fine you know con the contraceptive pill is fine you know gay marriage is fine women priests are fine he can't do it mm -hmm. so although he might privately have some of those feelings we can't ever overtly say that or would you know well, then he just becomes a character in a cassock right yeah. such a yeah. good job yeah. at walking that line because it is a thoroughly modern show you deal mm. with some very modern issues that the Catholic Church struggles with, but Father Brown, because he's an uh, empathetic human being, <laughs> yeah. can react to different a little differently. Yeah, exactly. We do, he, we have to play it really, really finely, you know. As I say, you know, and even things like um, you know homosexuality, um, which you know, um, which which is frowned upon by the Catholic Church. And I think in the Hammer of God, it was felt that he's a little bit too just do your own thing, mate. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I think we got rather we got rather a lot of complaints about that, so we had to kind of cut that back a bit, you know, as it went on. But you know, but I think you can convey the fact that Father Brown has empathy and um, you know his own attitude towards something without him overtly saying the words. And what we've always said is that he is a priest who was thirty years ahead of his time. So yeah. you know, if he if he was a priest now, his views would not be considered to be subversive or controversial. But no, in no. He's he is he's just a bit ahead of everyone else. Well, you <laughs> kind of you yeah. kind of want your lead character to be a bit special. You want them flawed, but you want them a bit different than everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And he can't be too good either because he'd be a bit boring. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of too good, so several of our our listeners wrote us to ask about Mrs. McCarthy. Oh yes. And. <laughs> Uh, they think she's nasty in the early seasons. They think she's yes. extremely judgmental and not very Christian at all. Yeah. She has all these little mini arcs where she redeems herself. And then in season maybe two and on, she's much more pleasant. Is that yeah. is that your experience too? I mean, is, did you write no, it that no. way? I mean, I know it sounds daft, but it was it was almost sort of, yes, it was it was deliberate in the fact that you know we've you know as you, as you say you learn so much from the early series and one of the one of the things that we felt that mrs mccarthy was too one note 
in being just unpleasant to everybody and being the voice of, you know, I mean, you know, her, one of her character traits in the, the series Bible is that she's the voice of the 50s. She is, you know, she is the kind of, um, you know, the woman on the street, the woman, you know, reading the newspaper and and and, and having all, all these views. But when you get 10 different writers writing 10 different scripts, at the end of the 10 episodes, when they're all playing the same beat and she was being too unsympathetic, we definitely thought at the beginning of series two that, you know, there was a, you know, a note went out to writers, you know, Mrs. McCarthy, can we warm her up a bit, basically? So it was it was very, you know, deliberate because otherwise she'd have been, she couldn't be one note all the time. So I think she evolved into being that same person who was always the voice of the rather reactionary person on the street, 1953 um, parish secretary. Um, but underneath it all, she's got a heart of gold. And that's the thing, you know. That so, definitely and, comes through. And I yeah. think I think you also did a great job with her showing the pain in her life that she doesn't talk about. Her husband. Her husband mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Because then you kind of forgive some of that poor behavior. Yeah. With Absolutely. some understanding of her. Yeah. So which of the other secondary characters is your favorite, like Bunty or, or Sid or Lady Felicia? Who's who's the most oh fun for gosh. you? Oh, my goodness. That is so hard. That is a really <laughs> hard question. But you don't have to choose one if it's no, too I hard. It's okay. It's very, well, whether I like, like them on the screen or who who is easiest to write. Um, as a writer, who's fun writer, to write? Yeah, the one I find most fun to write is probably Mallory. Inspector Mallory. Padre. Padre, Padre yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he, he's great fun to write, especially if you give him a little, uh, make him a little bit more two-dimensional. <laughs> he's angry. He's a little angry cartoon man. He is you know, sometimes. Angry cartoon man, but, but, it, but every episode that I push him in, you've, you've seen beneath the cartoon. Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, 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 so I'm really fond of Mallory, I've got to say. And, uh, oh, gosh. Okay, and I do. Okay, Nancy, Felicia. I mean, she could read the phone book. It doesn't matter yeah. what what you write, what words you put in her mouth. Um, she'll just sound absolutely brilliant doing it. And, and the ones that I did like the most was doing her and uh, Sorica, Mrs. McCarthy, and Felicia together. They were yeah. my they were my dream. Oh, duo. did you, you write know, the scene where they're on uh, where she's saying goodbye on the train? Yeah, that was mine. Yeah. Oh, that. Is just a deft piece of writing, just so oh, good. Thank you. Absolutely. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about Father Brown is we're like the Hotel California. You know, you can check out, but they never leave. And so we never, we have a rule, we never kill off a character. Um, we never sack a character ever. <laughs> and, we, and we never kill one off because we love them all so much. So we always leave the door open for them to come back and so the good thing is that nancy and uh so lady felicia and sid you know who went off to broadway to do harry potter which is yeah. brilliant for him gutting mm -hmm. for us but you know when he comes back and he's got you know and he's in the you know he's in you know was in the you know in england at the right time then he'd say yeah i can do an episode or two and we'll come back and do them and so would nancy and so we've we've never um we've never uh, there's well watch out Spoiler for next series. There, there, there will be the return of an old character. That's all I can say. Ooh, wonderful. Ooh. <laughs> Excellent. You know we like that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the audience will really be excited about this character coming back. And so along with that, 
So Sister Boniface grows out of this. Is that a looking to find a different audience or continue the same audience or to fill a different need? Or how did that all come about? Okay. Um, uh, to be, you know, perfectly honest about it, it's called a Father Brown spin-off, but it's not, you know, because um, uh, what... <sighs> How Father Sister Boniface came about was that she, in, in the first series of Father Brown, she did make a really strong impression on everybody. They all thought she was quite brilliant. Um, um, but we couldn't have two clerical detectives, yeah. you know. I mean, it, otherwise it would have been the Father Brown and Sister Boniface show. Right. Um, and, yeah. and there was no way that that could happen. My episode, I broke, that episode broke all sorts of rules in that, for example, it only used one semi-regular character, which was McCarthy, you know, and any series after that, that wouldn't have been allowed because I just, you know, ignored the fact that Felicia and Sid were there just to kind of make this episode work. I think one of the things is I was episode 10 to be written and they were a bit desperate. That's a bit more um, permissive at that point, huh? Yeah, I think, well, um, I think they'd lost, a, I, mean, I was, I was, I was brought on at the last minute because they'd lost a writer. So it was, I mean, I really was, you know, kind of a last minute substitution. As it were. Um, and we didn't really have too much time to, you know, flip around. Um, and so my, that episode was a bit, it was a bit out of kilter with the rest of the series. It didn't quite fit in with the format. Um, and when everyone said, can you bring Sister Boniface back in series two as a guest character, that was a bad idea because exactly the same thing would have happened. It would have been the Sister Boniface and Father Brown show. And that's not what we're about. We had this great cast of regs who we, you know, we had Felicia, we had Sid, you know, we had Mrs. McCarthy. There was pointless not using them when they were so brilliant. Um, and uh, the other reason is that if, she had gone back in series two, I'd have had to sell the character to the BBC, mm. basically, because that's what you have to do. And I sort of wanted to keep her. Um, and so, you know, we just talked about the fact that we we put her in a drawer. Um, and if one day, you know, you know, uh, and, and uh, you see what happened. And then, in fact, what happened was that, yes, we put her in a drawer and we thought, well, after three or four series of Father Brown, it will go. And then maybe there will be a new opportunity for this forensic nun, you know, as, a, as an alternative to Father Brown. What we didn't know was that Father Brown would just run and run and run. I mean, literally, it just it became miraculously, um, you know, power of prayer. <laughs> Miraculously <laughs> popular, um, and it ran, you know, to ten hundred episodes or, or whatever it was. So it felt by that point, it 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 was felt that we weren't treading on its toes anymore. That mm -hmm. you know, um, people certainly aren't going to confuse the two shows at this point. They're not yeah, confuse the two shows, and the, I mean, I, it was a bit disingenuous calling it a Father Brown spin-off because she was a character in one episode of father brown you know um but you know we have the same um uh what, what i'd call you the same production tones you know you can see it comes out of the same stable of the yeah. same production stable um and that's the other thing but no and and we had to make her very different because if she'd been in the 50s you know or the same characters it wouldn't have worked so it was yeah i mean she wasn't really a spin-off i think that was just marketing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she can't be Father Brown in the habit, right? She has to be her very own character. Yeah, well, especially as people, you know, nuns and priests are completely different. Priests, you know, can can give sacraments and they can forgive and they can do all that. 
um, uh, but nuns can't. That's it's not their remit, you know. Mm -mm. Well, and and I think they do a great job on Sister Boniface of she is educated and technical and has people around who are who aren't that are the heart of that show like the like father brown the the background characters are so great for that show they're absolutely fit and they're not like there's not here's a sid replacement here's a lady felicity replacement yeah and her interaction with the police is completely different than Father Brown's. Yes. It's so refreshing to have a character who is a kind of an independent investigator who's not at loggerheads with the police all the time. Oh my God. Who's actually valued. Yeah, and so refreshing to write because one of the problems that we had on Father Brown was every single episode, you had to go through hoops to explain why Father Brown just happened to be on this murder scene yeah. and to be allowed to investigate. And and, and, and I remember thinking when I, when, when I came up with this Boniface, I, I can't I can't go through that again another. so I just said right okay she's there because she's official we never have to explain you know it was in the bible you don't have to explain why she's there she's just there you know she yeah. is you know on site so this was conceived as more of um father brown is an amateur sleuth and sister Boniface is uh police procedural effectively in terms of the the, the genre well she she's a professional person who happens to also be a nun exactly quite absolutely i love that she's valued for her knowledge and that she's a central female character who has no romantic entanglements and all that stuff yes oh goodness me i know people kept saying should she be have a crush on sam no no she yeah, doesn't need to it is pure <laughs> bechdel test passing material which is fantastic <laughs> Absolutely. Like just, but do you think you have to write a show about a nun to get away with that? To get away with what? With with, her, with not having to deal with side stories about romance and. No, no, I think you can easily write two characters who are platonic. You know, I mean, one of the things about Father Brown, I remember we brought Bunty in. You know, everyone thought, oh my goodness, this young girl in that, you know, we can't ever have her in the in the presbytery in case it looks a little bit, you know. But the fact is that Father Brown would never even, you know, I mean, he wouldn't even think about, you know, looking at a young girl in that way. It wouldn't even enter his mind. So um she's slightly based on my aunt, who's a nun. Um uh, and I was educated in the convent. So um, I was brought up by nuns, basically. Um, and they're all, you know, and, and so she's a little, little amalgams of lots of nuns that I know, none of whom would have the slightest interest in men in a romantic way. It just wasn't their kind of, just not their bag. <laughs> Did people try to push Bunty and Sid together? Yes. Yes, they did, but we didn't think it was appropriate. No, I don't think they would work. They're like brother and sister bit, kind of. It would be exactly that was the thing, brother and sister. It would be a bit yee, we thought, you know, a bit yucky. Um, so yes, I mean, the fans wanted to push them together, and it was always, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, a possibility. But just because a because of the age gap, and the, the way we brought her into the series is that she was this like wayward teenager. Yeah. And Sid had been around the family for a few years and was like the old family retainer that would keep her out of trouble and, you know, teach her how to change a wheel on a car or whatever. So he was definitely more of the big brother figure. Than did you, we, we did get a lot of comments that people want to see a, a Flambeau and Felicia show. Oh, yeah. So that would be a spinoff. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, OK, those two, I, I, those two I could see together. Yeah. 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 I love so much what you chose to do with Flambeau that you didn't um, 
you didn't follow the character in the stories that he's he's a rogue and he's exciting and then but in the original stories he's past that you know he's kind of on the straight and narrow already and he's not nearly as interesting he was not as interesting well, we, I think it was very clever the uh, um Paul Matthew Thompson who wrote the Blue Cross which is the first from episode I think actually got him really well I think that was he set the standard for for, for flambo basically he he gave us our flambo you know the, the character was definitely came from the one writer and what he did was he took two elements from the books one of which was the fact that um Flombo was an amazing you know international jewel thief which he is in some of the Chesterton books but then in others he's he's Father Brown's reformed him and he's almost like a kind of sidekick so he sort of combined the two together in the fact that he was stealing the cross but he and Father Brown were sort of frenemies Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was that kind of you know that kind of empathy that 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 kind of thread between them, and that you know they got each other and and um, and so he was I think that episode the Blue Cross really um, defined him and everyone else kind of just took that and ran with it and then of course what happened was he got more and more friendly with the gang. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly friendly with Lady Felicia. Well, I was say the absolute ultimate would be that he would end up on a kind of you know he'd end up in a in a in a locked bedroom with. with <laughs> <laughs> well, that episode does a really good job of positioning Father Brown in the larger church too. You sort of see how he's perceived um, a bit too, and that he's kind of an outsider there as well, but committed. You know, not. Not a, a deviant from the church. He's a he's a beloved troublemaker, and troublemaker, I think yeah. that works. A thorn in the side, <laughs> but a, a useful one sometimes, maybe. Yeah. yeah, no, quite exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? All the best thorn in the sides are useful. So before yeah, that, we let that, you go, that ahead, reluctant ask for help from the police is always a great moment <laughs> when you can manufacture it. And Marple is so fantastic at that. Those moments where the police are like, oh, okay, you can tell us this now. You clearly know something we don't. Clearly know something. It does. They are hard. They're very hard to write amateur detectives because you've always got to have those moments. And the police always have to arrest the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. They always have to be bumbling in some way or or why would you need the, the detective, right? Yeah, but we miss that in Sister Boniface, actually, that that bumbling detective, because they're all the police. And we get writers sometimes who've written Father Brown and the police do something really, really crass. And we go, no, you can't. They're good. They're competent in this show. Yes. They're not Mallory. (laughs) (laughs) So before we let you go, can we talk Shakespeare and Hathaway for just a couple of minutes? Sure. Because it's so different. Yes. So who came up with the idea and why why Stratford? Why Shakespeare okay, themed? Okay, I can tell you exactly why. If you um is that um uh Will Trotter, who is uh, the exec of BBC Birmingham, uh was not not in an active way, but you know, we, we uh, me and a, a, another writer, Paul Matthew Thompson, we ha- were having lunch with him, you know, uh, and we said, Well, you know, what are you looking for? That's the best way to do, you know, stuff is to find out what, what's wanted. And um he said, Well, you know, what they wanted was a vehicle for Mark Benton mm-hmm. and another actor, uh female actor who is not uh Joe Joyner. Uh, so these two actors, uh, uh, it had to be modern day, 
they couldn't it couldn't be police and they couldn't it couldn't be an amateur detective <laughs> you threaded <laughs> that needle wow yeah, it an amateur detective um and with all our shows it has to be an advertisement for the english tourist board okay so we we, we were basically uh a male and a female private investigator in a pretty town within a one hour drive of birmingham which is <laughs> So it wasn't rocket science. <laughs> but you know, those boundaries, they, they create, they, they drive yeah, they, creativity, they, right? The more limitations they, they you have, do. the more creative you get to be. Exactly. So once we said, oh God, well, it's got to be Stratford, then, you know, then, uh, you know, once you had Stratford, then the Shakespeare was sort of a, a shoe in. And it sounds a bit daft um, because we always say that a global brand is a good thing to have, um, you know. So, so it was, it was, it was modern day male and female PR in Stratford. <laughs> add in, add in the Shakespeare. Boom! There we go. That was there. It. You go done. Exactly. That was exactly how it happened. Yeah. Wow. I wish. And I so could then, think. because of that arrangement, then do you have a guarantee that you're going to be able to film in Stratford? Oh yeah, well, it's, well there's no. I mean, there's no. Uh, we, we can film wherever we want to, really, just yeah. depending on how uh, on the council. So Stratford yeah. filming is. Um, I'll, I'll go. In fact, we film most of the stuff for Shakespeare and Hathaway in Warwick. Um, so, so their offices are actually uh, 12th century buildings in in Warwick. I mean, uh, beautiful, um, mm -hmm. and we can film there. Stratford's harder because of the tourists. So right. yeah. um, if we need to use a bit of it, then we have to get in touch with the council and say, can we cordon this bit off? And, you know, depending on how much they charge us, you know, either we say yes. So we, we can say, can we use this boating pond? And they'll go, yes, but you've got to do this. And, you know, here's the bill. And that's sort of how it works. Well, Warwick works really well because you'd never Warwick. know that they're not in Stratford all the time. Warwick's actually a much nicer city than Stratford. <laughs> I don't know. I've been to Stratford, and of course, it is very touristy. I don't yeah. think I, yeah. I don't think we I went think to war. It's very overrated, personally. If you take out the RSC, gosh, I shouldn't say this, but I do. I think <laughs> I think it's if you take out the RSC, you're left with Anne Hathaway's cottage and yeah. Shakespeare's birthplace, which are all a bit. You know, quite honestly, you go to Warwick, you've got the castle. You know, you've got. Oh yeah, that's right. That we've been we. Yeah, Warwick's gorgeous. Yeah, any place Warwick's that has good. that has maintained the Tudor woodwork, right, can can work. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. But as I say, <laughs> but the, the Shakespeare and Hathaway offices are—I swear to God—were built in the 12th century. You know, all that's that, got to be fun to shoot in then. All that, those beams. Uh, well, it's lent to us by the Lord Leicester Hospital, oh. um, which is a which is a kind of um, veterans live there mm. and wear special uniform. It's like it's like Chelsea uh, Chelsea pensioners. Do you mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, they all live there, and and it's and they show tourists around and stuff like that. Um, we, but they let us have it for three months a year. We know well, far more about British culture than most uh, than most Americans, Americans do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, folks wanted us to ask about Sebastian specifically. Yes. And um, uh, why he can't be bigger on the show, <laughs> but you know the show's probably done now, right? Um, but but where that character came from uh, and and who came up with him and do you love him as much as everybody else does? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we adore him, but I mean, we adore Patrick Walsh McBride. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we just came up with him when we did the original pitch. It was like, so you've got you've got Frank and you've got Lou, the ex hairdresser, and we needed a kind of 
third wheel. And so we just, I, I honestly, it was, it was just what he's, he was the, you know, the out of work actor. That was the thing. He was an out of work actor, which, which meant, there must be many of in Stratford, right? He's trying to get into the, yeah, the Royal exactly. Shakespeare. Yeah. So he's, he's working for Frank who doesn't pay him. Um, you know, this was in the pilot. He was working for Frank who didn't pay him properly. Um, and then, you know, scrimping money, you know, and doing all his bit parts and stuff like that. But the idea was that he would be used for what we call um, story engine. So that if ever at any point in the episode, we needed someone to go undercover. <laughs> I mean, he's so an actor. You know, he's an actor. So you could could have sent him into situations that 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 our two detectives who are, you know, would not because they were so distinctive, wouldn't have been able to go into. So he was, you know, and then and then um, we wrote the pilot, but then they cast you know, Patrick Walsh McBride, who was just so amazing. You know, he literally burst onto the screen. He eats scenery. He's really good. Yeah. He, he is really, he's just got married. Oh, yes. To his that's long, great. I know. Absolutely. Uh, um, uh, I think he met her as his girl. It was a long term girlfriend. She met her at Oxford. He's very clever as well. He went to Oxford and speaks about 10 languages. Of course. Of course, you know. of course he does. <laughs> and he's fantastically handsome and really talented. I hope we see him in more things. He does a lot of um, theatre. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> he's one of those actors you see in uh, a minor part that you, in five years, we could see a BBC promo with him as a lead actor. And I would go like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that we always say that we discovered you, Patrick, you know. <laughs> Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, we we call you. Yeah, when you're getting that Oscar, just remember, we gave you your first break. It's <laughs> <laughs> fabulous. Yeah. So clearly you're still working on Father Brown and Sister Boniface. Do you have any other big projects in the hopper that you're working on? What's next? Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're working on, oh, am I allowed to say this? I think I am. Yes, I am. So we're working on, we just started on Sister Boniface series two. No, three. Sorry. Three. Yeah. Three. three. Yeah. Well, we kind of broke that because you messaged that you couldn't uh, talk to us because you were on the we're set on of set. Sister Boniface. And I was yeah, like, exactly. yeah. I guess so, uh, we're in series three. Yeah, we're in, so we're just starting in series three. So um, because the, the writer's schedule is different. We're always three months behind production. So production, of we're, we wrap on the 8th of November. That's when production finishes. But that the end of November is a time where editorial are supposed to be pushing in the um, ideas for the next series. So it's kind of all, all as production wraps up, editorial's ramping up. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So so we're, we're, we're trying to get um, yeah, series um, three together. Uh and that's on Sister Boniface. Um, I had a, before that, I did a show called The Canterville Ghost for mm -hmm. being out in America, but only on a very small channel because it was commissioned by BYU TV. Yep. It was it was great, by the way. I watched it. Did you get to see it? How did yes. you get to see it, though? Did you have to subscribe? Um, no, I got it on Prime, on Amazon Prime. Yep. You can get it on Amazon Prime? Yeah. yeah. On Amazon I I, Prime America, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I paid $5 for, for it or something. God, I hope it was worth the $5. It was great. It was so fun. It hasn't I, been I got to play the Midsummer game. That person's been in a Midsummer. That person's been in a Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, I like. Well, no, I love the adaptation. I love what you did with it. It did was you really fine. The American accents. They were fine. That you were and we're picky. We're picky about American accents. Yeah. Because there's a lot of British actors who go, I'm American. Uh, there's a, well, I mean, it's very hard for a British person to do a convincing American accent, I think. And um, we, we did get a few comments about, about that. But, um, <laughs> no, I uh, thought it was fun. And I, I loved the twins, especially. I thought they were great. Oh, yeah. Um, and the actor who played the ghost, whose name I have completely spaced. Anthony Head. Anthony yes. Head. He was fantastic. He's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. And (laughs) he was And actually, we're covering Jonathan Creek next, starting next week. So we'll we'll be talking about about him. Yeah. Jonathan Creek is just a brilliant show. It is brilliant. Really fun. And the the, the scripts and the plots are so. They're very clever. They are so clever, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Now, we have to say thank you for dispelling the conspiracy, the Sister Boniface conspiracy. (laughs) Whether she was in that train station or not. That ruled my house for like two weeks. I know, I know, I know. I couldn't bear for it to be a a, a contention. Well, so along with with this, we we made a (laughs) T-shirt. For the Sister Boniface conspiracy. So we'll have to contact you and get an address and we'll send you a couple to, to oh. hand out of the Sister Boniface. <laughs> There's, and it's fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. My producer sent me the, um, uh, the, the, he was a producer on Sister Boniface, sent me the, um, the link to your podcast. Oh, really? Because Which yeah. when we're talking about it, we would have never imagined that the person who wrote it would be listening. And then I had to go back and re-listen. I'm like, did we say anything like... Oh, God, don't like, worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I hope not, because we love it. So I've had Jude Kindle should never be allowed to touch a keyboard again. So, oh, my gosh. Know, no, 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 no. That we, wrong. We, uh, um, along with that, like, we, con- I contacted Lisa Holdsworth. Oh, I know Lisa. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably how the connection worked. So we yeah. interviewed her for Midsummer because she wrote some Midsummers, and, and she, she was just a cheese. Death by mm-hmm. Joe. Yeah, Death she's a fantastic interview she's and great. fantastic person. So yeah, yeah. So we, like, do you yeah, know we appreciate person? your time so much. Yeah. We, everybody's going to be so excited. Okay, well, brilliant. Well, like, gosh, I hope I don't need too much editing. Um, No, we'll we'll probably let most of this go. I'll put a bumper at the front and the back and all that good stuff. But if I said anything libelous, sorry, uh, not libelous, (laughs) scurrilous. Yeah, it's the other one, slanderous. No, I don't. I don't think think you have. And that, but if anything occurs to you that you want us to cut, tell us. Just let us know, and we'll cut it. (laughs) But I don't think you have. You too. It was thank you so much. Absolutely fantastic. And thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.